welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind, co-founder and co-host Jason Stallworth, also the co-founder and co-host, my good friend and the great Ken Candelis. <laughs> Dude, we're here. It's good to see you. <laughs> good to see you too, man. Always good to have these chats. And, you know, Ken and I both, we feel like you listening right now, you're just sitting in the studio one of our studios here i'm in i'm in the tampa area kins in new york but you know we're just all kind of sitting in the same room together having a cup of coffee or a beer if it's time for that who knows <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have uh we have uh you know some beer glasses now we um, do, yeah metal mastermind beer glass dude <laughs> i actually need to order that uh, on that note so uh this show is sponsored by None other than Metal Mastermind. <laughs> and, uh, we just put up a shop, and actually, Ken, you designed most of that, dude. It looks beautiful. Uh, Thank you. MetalMastermind.com. Just click on shop, and it'll take you there. So, yeah, do check that out. Uh, you guys know I just released my CD for Overcometh. I know it took like three months to do it, but it is out there now. But we've got some cool Metal Mastermind t-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, I think my keep it metal mugs on there. We got a cool metal mastermind one too, so I got to order one of those for myself. Uh, we got <laughs> bumper stickers coming, all kind of cool stuff. Uh, Ken, you already have some really cool artwork too for your for your upcoming Homeric, like a lot yes. of demonry imagery. Demonry, <laughs> I yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the artwork of David Milgate is uh, gorgeous, man. Yeah, he does frame, really... framed uh, luster paper and everything. It looks gorgeous. He does some cool stuff, dude. So, yeah, guys, check that out. MetalMastermind.com. Uh, go to the shop button there. Also sponsoring Metal Mastermind, the podcast, is our course platform, guys. Uh, if you have not checked out our courses, we have guitar courses. We have a metal bass course vocals uh, i love ellie's vocal course i go through her exercises several times a week to warm up my vocals uh man we got production studio building all that good stuff theory so check that out all that's on metalmastermind.com so brother ken dude we are getting into really giving everyone some just some practical value i know this is kind of a you see the headline, how to make it in the music business, how to be an indie musician, blah, blah, blah. I, I get kind of bored when I see that stuff because it's the same stuff. So what Ken and I want to do today is talk about some practical things that you can do and that you can use, why you need certain tools and what you don't need. We'll talk about that too because there's a lot of stuff out there that you don't want to waste your time with, right? And we're just going to guide you through this. And before we get started, this is for anyone who wants to release their music. I mean, you guys are musicians. I always encourage you, Ken and I both, we always encourage you to write your own stuff, even if you're a bedroom guitarist. I don't care. Write your own stuff. Do something on your own. And this is kind of be me, me, me being a little bit opinionated here, but I could care less that someone learns somebody else's song note for note. Yay, here's a cookie. What can you write on your own? We've all got it. And I want to encourage you, the fact that you play an instrument, the fact that you sing or write lyrics or whatever it is that you do means that you have that creative ability. I'm not saying don't learn other songs, guys. I know it's fun to learn other songs. Actually, I don't think it's that fun, but whatever. I do that. That's how you practice. That's fine. But take it a step further. If you're playing this Megadeth riff or, or one of my riffs or one of Ken's riffs on Homeric, whatever, I don't care, right? Take it a step further and say, what if I change this? 
What if I did this backwards? What if I played this instead of that? What if I played it in a different place on the bass, the fretboard, whatever, right? What if, if you're a drummer, what if I did a different beat here? Magic happens. This thing starts becoming your own. You start getting ideas. They start flowing and so forth. So anyway, I just wanted to go on that little tangent real quick, but that's an encouraging tangent because I know you guys have it within you. So Ken, dude, what is like you're releasing your music, right? You you've got your you've got your song ready. Let's let's back up. You've got the song ready. You've got it written. You started recording. We all have a little doll. We've got our computer and yada yada. So like, what's the next step, dude? You've got it down for the most part. What happens? Okay, so uh, when you get your stuff mastered, uh, which you know we've we've talked about mastering before, but uh, when you're getting your stuff mastered. There's a really important part of that process, which is called metadata. Um, and that information, which is information about information, <laughs> um, <laughs> you need to get your metadata right. Uh, you need to make sure that when you're distributing to whatever platform, whether it's DistroKid, TuneCore, Ditto, whatever, that information needs to be accurate. And mm. you have to triple check <laughs> i was gonna say double check we got to really triple check all the details because everything points to those pieces of metadata that's how people get your music found in radio on streaming your cds right it's all about organizing that information <clears throat> now once you've got that information set to go uh the next thing is to really start polishing your your, your 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 image right getting some new photos uh getting uh your website spruce stuff and and you should have a website you should not just have uh you know a facebook page or an instagram or no you need your own real estate digital real estate um we need to have that so that people have a resource to be able to find more information about you to be able to access things like your own shop right? All of that stuff is really important. And you know what? It takes time. It takes a lot of time. And you should not be releasing music that's four weeks out from when you decide it's master. You should be releasing music really a long time from when you make that final master. Um, because here's the thing, you need to ramp up hype. That hype you know, unless you've got, you know, a, a big following and they're ready to eat whatever you put on the table, you know, you have to build that, that momentum. And that momentum is going to take time to do that. Um, you know, if you decide making a music video is something that you want to do, uh, that's a great piece of content to help build momentum. Yeah. Uh, there's also other avenues like, uh, like press releases. If you want to, you know, reach out to webzines and magazines and all that kind of stuff. If that's something you want, what's great about doing a press release, you know, some people may not do this because press releases are quite a hefty, you know, price tag. But when you do a press release, what the benefit that you're getting is actually legitimacy on, on, on the internet, right? You're getting a lot of social proof. So when you do that, uh, it, it, you know, people, they they will look around. Right. You know, it's just natural. Like, OK, let me see any more information about this. If they're really interested about it, um, they'll just search you on Google. Uh, they'll, they'll see what, what comes up. Uh, they may see it from another uh, you know, page like Facebook, the, like 
let's say, for example, Metal Injection, right? Oh, new album coming out by, you know, Jason Stallworth or Homeric. They'll see that information and that will help legitimize you. Uh, and if you're making your album for the first time, right, you haven't released like a significant like a piece of work like the like an album. <clears throat> the first album that you make, you're going to have to really try and do those things because what you're doing and it's don't expect it to be something that you know blows up over time, like uh, like overnight. It's going to take time for your your music to really flush out, reach an audience and all this kind of stuff. But on your first release, um, it's really important to establish that foundation for you as an artist, because upon your next release and the ones after that, you're going to see um, it's going to be easier to find you. It's going to be more uh, uh, quality content on the Internet. You know, you've already by the second release, you're you're going to have a lot more uh you know, sort of a, of a refinement of your brand and all this kind of stuff. So you start really building a business out of out of your music. Um, but yeah, those are those are a couple things <laughs> um, that I've seen um, play into being a, a successful independent musician. And if you're going to go the route of let's say, oh man, this is really hard. Maybe I need a label. Well, a label is going to want to see that you've done the groundwork. It's not going to, they're not going to want to develop you from the very beginning. And if you do, then you got no leverage at all. So <laughs> it's not going to be the greatest deal given to you. Um, you can't be desperate to go to a label. You have to really show that, you know, you got what it takes, but you need some help. And uh, you've done a big part of that already. Uh, they like, they like to see an established artist. Now, I want to back up to the beginning real quick, Ken, because, you know, we, we kind of started out here. You've got you've got your song ready. Everything's done in the studio. Uh, now let's master it. But can you briefly explain to folks? I know a lot of you know this, but I, I want Ken to explain the difference because there's always some that don't know. And there's an old saying that I use. You don't know until you know. So and, yep. and even those you do do know the differences here, I think some points that Ken's going to make uh, will be extremely helpful. Maybe things you didn't think about, but can you describe the difference between mixing and mastering? Cause your mix happens first. And a lot of us do top, what's called top site mixing, you know, Nick Z uh, you know, he created metal producer overlord. One of our courses, he talks a lot about that too, is basically just mixing as you record, which is kind of smart to do. But what, what are the core differences between like mixing and in mastering? Because I, I just want to say this first, mastering is more than just raising the volume. Yes. So mixing is the sonic balance of your recordings. When you mix, your goal is to create the most harmonious combination of you know, sonic characteristics, you know, frequency, amplitude, all that kind of stuff. You know, you're, you're, you're automating things to create momentum in your music. That's mixing. It's the creative expression of what was recorded and making it the most realized form of that music, right? Uh, mastering uh, takes the mix and refines it. Uh, most of the time, mastering is a... Uh, a corrective type of process where the reason why, and 
people always say, you know, well, why can't I just master my own music? I can do that. That's fine. You can. You can do that. But the one thing that you miss out on doing stuff like that yourself is objectivity. Right? Because if you're, if you're mixing and mastering on the same set of speakers, you don't have any difference as to what kind of information you can hear differently between the two processes. The difference when you go to a mastering engineer who takes that and has a different set of speakers and different set of uh, ears and a different system, different converters, all this kind of stuff. Now they have a different perspective of your mix. And usually it's a more accurate perspective. of your mix. So they can do the corrective stuff that helps clean it up, makes it more translatable. That's a key difference. Because when you're mixing, you're not really focused too much on translation. You're focused on a sonic balance that makes your music sound emotional, that you want it to impact the, the listener. But when you're mastering, you're, I mean, you, you, you can do a little bit of that. But like enhancing music is just like one small piece of the pie. It's really about, can I make this mix translate on every type of speaker system that's out there? Mm. That's what that's about. So it's a much more uh, objective type of uh, approach. You're, you, mastering is not necessarily the creative. It's, it's really a, a utility to uh, your mix. So when you master something and it's, you know, it's ready to go and it's, it translates well to all types of places, and you, know, you can have, by the way, different masters for different things. You don't have to have one master for everything. Um, you could have a different CD master versus streaming master. Those are those have different requirements. So the the master file, which would be the you know the original master that was made with the fullest extent of uh, dynamic range and all that kind of stuff, that will be adjusted in order to meet the proper requirements for the delivery, right? So distribution, because you know what you know. Uh, streaming requires is definitely going to be different than, you know, making a physical copy or a vinyl. Those, you, you don't use the streaming version for a vinyl press. That's no. not the way it goes. So you have to master for that format too. That's a, that's another layer to all of this. So yeah, mastering is a very important process and uh, mixing is, you know, equally of course as important, but it's a different focus. So they're two different focuses. Um, so going into distribution, that's a, that's a whole nother animal. And that's why that's where you get into things like the metadata and uh, copyright. Also making sure your stuff is copyrighted. Um, very, very important to do all that too. That does a beautiful explanation of the differences, man. So, which is why I asked you to do that because <laughs> <laughs> it's so much more fluid, but yeah, it, you know, like Nick Z uh, going back to Nick Z. So I, I paid Nick to master my album overcome it. Um, I could have done it. I mean, and, and I know a lot of you will say, well, my, my doll comes with mastering plugins. I can just use that. You can, but then just, I just would encourage you to rewind a little bit and listen to everything Ken just told you and explained to you because it's, it's so <laughs> worth it to get someone who not only knows what they're doing, but also someone who does it for, I say, I'll go as far as to say, does it for a living. That's what they do. You know, Nick Z, yeah. uh, you know, and the credits due to Nick, he's, he's phenomenal at, you know, at both spectrums, but that's what he does. 
he mixes and he masters. That's what he does for his primary right. living. So it just makes sense to uh, to give it to someone who knows what they're doing. Well, right? here's the thing about uh, Nick Z's process, which is very also very interesting, because what Nick Z uh, does and sort of top side or top down mixing uh, approach, what the benefit of that is is when you've done it, you've created the final product that you know you're going to hear. Yeah. Right. So, but what gets removed from that? It's the objectivity. So how do you get objectivity when you work in such a way? You need to find people that you trust their ears mm -hmm. and get mixed critiques. A lot of them. You need to have people check you <laughs> um, to make sure that what you're doing is working. Right. But the benefit again you come back to it, okay, yeah, I need to make this adjustment. No problem. Bam. Done. Right? It's just a slight adjustment. Um, and then you can, you know, sort of move on to the next project uh, as you need to. Um, so if that's something that's very interesting to you, uh, I would say first, you need to really get a grasp on the bearings of what sound is and how it works and how you're supposed to approach things like EQ and compression because when you go down the rabbit hole of doing top-down, it, it, there's a lot of things now that you're considering. There's a lot of variables where things can go wrong. So you can easily, and tell, you know, I won't be able to hear anybody respond to this, but you know, tell us in the comments, have you gone down a rabbit hole of mixing something over and over and over, and then it just sounds worse? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we've all done it, right? So. How do you then pull yourself and rein yourself in to not do those things, right? You got to really train yourself. It, it requires a lot of awareness about what you're doing, which is why, um, you know, even Nick Z himself has told me, and he's actually told some of my students, actually, we had Nick Z come over uh, into uh, one, of my, one of the colleges that I teach at uh, to give a, a guest lecture on this kind of stuff. But even Nick Z was saying, you know, when you when you do top down, um, you gotta you gotta be very aware uh, about what you're doing, and you may not even be ready to do approach top down in the beginning. Uh, and the way he approaches it is first, you know, it's kind of getting like you know, you get a balance first, then you start working on the master chain, and then you start working on all the individual elements that fit into the master chain. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you can learn all about this in Metal Producer Overlord. Everything that Nick Z teaches is a Metal Producer Overlord. But he also uh, stresses the fact that top-down mixing can have its own challenges. And if you are not as experienced, you should absolutely still consider hiring a real mastery engineer. I mean, hire Nick Z to master your stuff. He can do it. <laughs> but he's really, really honest about that. And... Um, it's it's good to be able to know in certain cases where your limits are because if it's just not working, then you know trying the top down version, you know go to a mastering engineer. Or here's another fun way to do it, right? Go to a mastering engineer and also still try and do your own top down and see how the difference is between going to a mastering engineer versus how you're doing it at top down, how they play out. Yeah, compare the two. Compare whether or not you were able to even be in the ballpark, you know, um, you could, you could have a whole lot of experimentation with that. 
And it's a great learning experience. And if you're, you're, you're really, if the whole point of you not going to a master engineer is because you don't want to spend the money, you're, you're thinking about it the wrong way because spending the money on a mastering engineer is not, is not just, Oh, I'm getting, uh, you know, a properly mastered, you know, loud file or whatever. It's going to be loud. <laughs> especially, by the way, especially, by the way, if you're the one who's mixing, it's giving you the feedback you need to know about your mix. Yeah. And what the mastering had to do, uh, the mastering engineer had to do in order to get it to a point where it sounded professional and up to par with industry standard. Yeah. That is such an important piece of information that as a mixing engineer, you need to know. And if you're just an artist, okay, who's just composing and, you know, you hired out a mixing engineer and you decide not to hire out a mastering engineer, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like that is such a critical process. And some people forget that mastering engineers are actually just as important. Uh, you know, in some cases, they might be even more important because that file that they're working with that they're going to give you is the final thing that people hear yeah. so you got to make sure it's right now to and, and to go back real quick uh you know mastering doesn't mean they're necessarily fixing stuff in the mix right it, like if, if something's just way off sometimes the mastering it'll bring that out even more so yeah. you don't want to have to go back to the drawing board you you get the mastering files like well I don't like this is now I can't hear the guitar in this part or blah 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 well that's usually that's usually a mixing issue so you want to make sure your mix is pristine before you go that route so just want to reiterate one more time Nick Z has a course called Metal Producer Overlord um, he goes through multiple scenarios of of subgenres of rock and metal music so and he takes you through the whole process Ken like he he starts like guitars drums vocals everything man bass so he goes through the entire process and you're sitting there with him behind the console as he takes you through this and you learn so many little golden nuggets you're like oh you mean i can do that and this sounds that much better oh okay i wish i'd known that 10 years ago right and he takes oh my you, gosh yeah he takes you the full spectrum through four i think right now it's four different uh mixes so it's a lengthy course not gonna lie but uh definitely worth it there is an intro to mastering um, a freebie on that a bonus module on that so do check that out at metalmastermind.com but ken so we covered mixing mastering we covered the differences here which i'm glad you explained that and uh we can kind of hop back over to why you need a website you know something you and i learned in our class and leah McHenry's elite uh, music uh, elite savvy musician academy we were the first elite generation students in her in her uh, program a few years right. back that's where we met now i have my website jasonstallworth.com i've had that as an artist uh since about 2009 so i, I already knew the importance of that but of course you know learning over the years what to put on there and so forth I'll give you a quick rundown on your website itself. So obviously your music's on there, right? But you want to have an about me section too. And, you know, you can have like where you kind of just get a little heartfelt and just kind of tell your story there, you know, have a contact <laughs> page and all that. I encourage you, Ken and I both would encourage you to also consider having a blog on your website. This is a way to write about things that relate to your music. And it's going to pick up on the internet, which leads us to a short topic. You know, I don't think we want to dive too deep into this, but what's called SEO, and that's search engine optimization. 
again, guys, these are practical things that you can actually do. So if you don't have a website, get that, you know, just do a little research. I think we have a blog post on our, ours on how to start all this stuff. So search search the metalmastermind.com website. But you do want your website. That's that's the place that you own. You don't own Facebook. You don't own YouTube. Now, I love YouTube personally. Ken and I both do. That's, that's our platform. Uh, it's been my core platform for some time now. But you don't own any of those platforms. If they poof and go away or something you know, happens or they start deleting stuff or whatever. Okay. That was a lot of hard work gone down the drain, but with your website, that's your data. Okay. That doesn't go away. That's, that's your, like Ken said, that's your real estate, right? So you do want an artist or band website and I would consider blogging, writing some posts. Um, what I've found in both rock and metal, you know, you guys listening are all musicians is a lot of your fans are musicians. <laughs> so if you want to blog about gear you use or blog about the process, you know, uh, you know, of, of recording your album or whatever it may be, uh, just come up with some topics that relate to your music that's going to draw people in, it's going to attract them in. So that's a good strategy to use for your website. So your homepage, of course, your discog- discography, where your albums are, all that stuff linking to, you know, all the platforms, Spotify, iTunes, all those places. Uh, your about section and have a blog. I think that's the basics. Ken, did I miss anything on that? I I don't really think so. Um, I do think in the grand scheme of things, your artistry as a musician is more than just your music. You need to really good, look yeah. at your uh, music. Your music is the heart. It's the beating heart that keeps everything flowing. It's, it's what brings people in. It's the, it's the bait. It's the hook, you know? Um, but your, your branding is, is why people follow you too. So they have to be in line with your beliefs, with, uh, your intentions. Um, you know, what, what you're trying to put out there has to be of enormous quality. And and, and remember this, right? People, when they listen to music, it's, it's almost so weird, but they expect perfection on music. It's like, it's kind of. That's how, that's what, imagine, right? Because think about, let's say, something that's controversial, especially for, like, Metal Mastermind's, like, uh, audience in some ways, uh, auto-tune, right? Why do so many artists stress the use of auto-tune, right? It's because after a certain period of time, it's become the norm. It's become what people expect. So when certain people in certain genres, you know, especially in something like pop, if you hear something that's like out of tune, like it, it's so distracting. People think it's amateur, whatever. And that's what, I mean, in back in the past, I mean, that's, it was just like, you had to be good. You had to just sing really well, but now, but now because, you know, you've got the, you're standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak you have to live up to that production quality as an indie musician. And so a lot of people resort to these types of tools, right? Um, imagine that kind of pressure, right? To have to live up to that kind of standard and you wanting to do something different and all this kind of stuff. So not only are you going against the grain, right? <laughs> but now you're also, you're the, you're the little guy, right? You gotta, you gotta find a way to make people love what it is that you do. So how do you do that? Well, it's your brand. <laughs> your brand it's the authenticity of your brand and how you start to develop that message and 
push it out so that other people can resonate and want to share it. Because at the end of the day, people are always going to be thinking about themselves. It's, it's a selfish nature that we have, right? So when you're talking about your music or your brand, it's not because people care about your music, really. It's really because it's that what your music does for them in a selfish way that makes them feel, I resonate with this. I want to show off people, uh, show this off to people so that they can see how cool of a person I am for being part of this movement, right? That's really what it come, kind of comes down to. Uh, people always have that inherent need, even if they don't uh, make it obvious, right? It's still there. And that will be a subliminal, subconscious thing that always moves in, uh, in, in tandem with, with, with branding. So a lot of it is just developing that. And that comes down to your image, right? It comes down to the, the font that you use on your website. It comes down to the fluidity of uh, how people navigate your website. It comes down to emails and how do you address your audience in your emails. Uh, what are you uh, offering as terms of value? Um, all these kinds of things. Those are really, really uh, at, at the core of all of this, part of the reason why a lot of indie musicians don't make it, to be honest. Like, let's just keep yeah. it a thousand, right? They don't make it because they don't understand that it's not just about the music. You know, it, it's, it's a lot more than that. You have to actually be an entertainer in all facets. Yeah. You have to be able to want to create content. Like, you have to want to do that. You have to create content. You have to create a message. You have to create the foundation that upon all that content, because the content is great. If you're making content, that's fantastic. But are you now capturing those people and are you able to, you know, retarget those people and, you know, reach out to them in the future to make a sale or whatever? Like, if you're not doing that, you're really not creating this, uh, this business for yourself. You're just giving away your art. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, that's what some of you want to do. But, you know, for Jason and I, you know, that's not what we want to do. We want to live off of our music. We want to eat off yeah. of our music, right? So that's, uh, that's a big part of this, this journey. And, you know, when to delineate <laughs> what part of that you are in, first, focus on the music. Make it the best that it can possibly be that you don't know how you could improve it. When you've gotten to that point and it's properly mastered, now focus on the branding. What kind of message are you trying to create? Like, what is it that makes this music different from everybody else, right? Why do they come to you instead? You got to think of it like a business, like a, also even like a service, like a product. Why would, why would somebody want to buy your flowers instead of this other guy's, right? Oh, well, because, you know, we use rose water. <laughs> Whatever they, you know, they bite into you though. They they're not even sometimes. Yes, the music has to be great and all that. Uh, you want that to be first and foremost. But a lot of people buy into you, and that's yeah, why. Person. Make, yeah, that's why making content is so important. It's imperative, man, because people want to get into your world and know who you are, and right. they want someone that they can relate to. And right, this is why I I put even my faults out there. You know, I don't like when I'm playing on social media, playing guitar, doing a clip or whatever. Not everything I put out is polished and perfect because I want people to understand that I'm not some robot. 
Sometimes I screw up. Sometimes I say the wrong thing. Sometimes I mispronounce something. Sometimes I might even hit an off note. It happens. And to think that that doesn't happen to anybody is just, I don't know, it's just ridiculous because it happens to everybody. So I'll let you guys in on my flaws and faults, and, I, and, and we'll talk through those as well. You know, it doesn't mean that you want to just put out sloppy stuff. I'm not saying that, right? But, you know, I, I want to be relatable to people that listen to my music. And you guys know me for just giving an, an encouraging message and that sort of thing. Because I truly and genuinely want to see people do well. I feel like if, if everybody is pushing towards something great in their life and doing good things and giving back, I think it just makes the world by default a much better place that also encourages other people to strive for better in their own lives. So, I mean, that's kind of like a, a no-brainer win-win for the world, dear. So, you want to be authentic. You want to be original. Um, Auto-tune, you guys know I don't use it. I don't have the perfect pitch either. I just refuse to use auto-tune on my records. Does that mean I, I will give in someday? I don't think that I will, but I never say never. But I just, in, in rock and roll and metal music, I think the imperfections create a nuance that makes it authentic and organic and makes it not sounding like everything else out there. That doesn't mean you shouldn't use it. I'm not, we're not making this about auto-tune. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. Just, that's just the reasons why I don't. People don't have yeah. to agree with that. You know? I'll, be, I'll be perfectly honest. You know, I'm not using necessarily auto-tune. I am using Melodyne, though. Melodyne is a really, really powerful software that allows me to be a little bit more finesse with vocal uh, editing and, and tuning and stuff like that. Do I don't abuse it, <laughs> but I use it in a way to help elevate the, the, the performance, right? You really need to uh, also play into the strength of what it is that you're creating, okay? Yeah. Um, I, uh, when, I, when I met Michael, Michael Romeo from Symphony X and I showed him, you know, Homeric, uh, I was very, very uh, adamant that I was going to do this and make it organic, you know, it was, it was like the performance was totally raw and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, I asked for his, uh, his feedback, and he says, well, he's, it sounds organic, sounds raw, but it doesn't sound epic. <laughs> and I was like, damn, did I really want organic and raw, or did I want epic, you know? And I had to, I had to, that was a big realization moment for me to say, okay, and this, this kind of also, again, goes back to branding. It's like, I'm trying to create like this big epic adventure, you know, and was I just letting my ego really get in the way of that for what it really needed to be at its truest form? That was a big eye-opening moment for me, right? And it's different for everybody, of course, right? You know, you may not be trying to create like this symphonic metal opera that I'm doing, but you're, you've got your own sort of requirements. It's, it's all about the concept of what's serving the song. It's, it's not about what's, what, it's not about me. It's not the Ken show. And the project too, it, Ken. Like you said, you're you're. This is orchestration you're dealing with. This is something absolutely more than just the music. You've got a storyline behind it. Now, if you know Ken and I went to start just a metal band, it's like, hey, we're just raw metal. We want to take it back to the thrash roots. Then probably wouldn't use any like any touch ups at all. We would right. just go up there and kill it, right? So it depends because it on the serves project. the song, right, right, right. 
Yeah. So that's that's the biggest that's the biggest thing about this. It's 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 not to not use auto tune or Melodyne or these things just because you know you live by this specific code of how you do music production. Well, if the song needs it, the song needs it. You know, serve the song. Don't serve your ego about this. So, um, and that goes for anything, you know, you know, different types of guitar pedals and distortions and effects and whatever, or plugins you want to do. Hey, if it helps the song, use it. But if it's just getting in your way because, oh man, I want to use this fancy plugin that I don't really know how to use, but I want to use it because it makes me feel good that I got the plugin. Like now you're not serving the song. You're just serving your ego. Take that crap off. You know, I actually did this yesterday um, because uh, my my students were it was their last day for 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 the semester to to work on their project. And so uh, student goes like, hey, can you listen to my mix? And I, I listen to this. And I'm like, hmm. in my mind, it's like, yeah, this is dark. It sounds over compressed. Sounds a lot of things. And uh, I, I say, can I can I look around? Right. I, I, I go on Pro Tools and I'm like trying to adjust certain things to see what I can get out of this. And then I quickly realize this is an unfixable mix. Mm. This is too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. You've gone and remixed and remixed and remixed. And now you have no sense of what this song even sounded like in the beginning. So I said to him, do me a favor, save this, start again. Open up a new project with this fought with these files, and all I want you to do is just do the balance with the drums and the vocals first. Yeah. Just get a get a balance. I walk away, come back about thirty minutes later. He's like, "Yeah, okay, I, I did it," and I and I was like, and he, the first thing he told me, he was like, "Wow, uh, that was a that was a big perspective shift." Because I I listened, to it, I said, "Yeah, this is already better." It's better without plugins, compression, whatever. Wow, it dude, sounded wow. it sounded better, yeah. and I was like, "Yeah, you were just like just squeezing the life out of this because you were thinking, oh, I assume maybe I need to do this,' not actually just listening to the music and saying, oh, this actually sounds kind of good the way it was recorded.' You know, maybe the thing that's missing is this one little thing here, and I told him, "Don't." Don't start mixing the kick drum or the snare or whatever. Uh, you know, when I told them, okay, start adding the guitar and bass, but only put EQ on the buses for each of those sounds, right? So you got individual microphones for like the drums, but I don't want you to EQ any of those. I want you to just EQ the drum bus. Overall, right? Because I'm like, I'm trying to get them in the concept of think bigger picture, yeah. you know? Don't get so focused on, mis- mi- on on mixing a kick and snare, like when you're not even hearing it with everything together. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's pointless to do stuff like that. Nick Z, by the way, talks a lot about this in his course, Metal Producer Overlord. So if you want to like really get good at mixing, the, the trick is, is is psychological. It's It's getting over the hump of, I think I need to do this, so I'm just going to try and do that. It's it's learning to listen. It really is. And the the student walked away with so much, you know, uh, appreciation because he was like, 
holy crap, I, I really was in my own head trying to mix this thing for two days. And in 30 minutes of a remix, he had a better mix. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. You think oh, that uh, sometimes technology, and I love technology, don't get me wrong. I love that we have all these tools and how easy they are to use. But but do you think sometimes it can hinder us because like, oh, well, I paid 500 bucks for this awesome plugin, so I must use it on everything. Or by right. default, well, this producer puts these plugins on all these things over here, so I, I need to use them as well. Like you said, Ken, we, we start putting stuff in thinking it's going to make it magical without even listening to it first like from scratch and i mean i did that on my guitars right several times i've i've added you know an eq plug-in to some guitars that were more of a cleaner uh i've added compression but then i take them off and listen i'm like i don't really need this i uh there's something to be said for getting a really good tape right you've talked about yes this, and we, we talked about this you know um what do we call it the the uh the, the rules of music or something like that we had a name you had a name for it uh the golden rule right of of uh of music and we talked about making sure you get a really good take and of course with guitar plugins these days yeah i mean you know you can change those at any given moment but even those like like if if i'm using a plugin which i haven't used a plugin in quite some time i've been recording you know the live black star amp just with an old school sm57 mic mm-hmm. and sometimes i'll use their cab software they have really really decent irs uh but even with the plugins you, you've got access to all this stuff to quickly just put all this stuff on the guitar track you know in the plugin so you automatically think you have to put all that in but even on the plugins i started going just really raw just the noise gate the amp and and maybe an od pedal it's really about it nothing else yeah, it's it's even like in guitars, it's like you could be going on for days trying to uh, oh, go dude. down this rabbit hole. I mean, yeah. one of the one of the biggest lessons I learned from uh, uh, when I was interning at a studio where they've recorded bands like Lamb of God, I was uh, I, I talked to the engineer and he was like, you know what the secret to big guitars is? It's just two guitars. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do the same thing too. It's just two guitars. You don't need four layers of guitar tone. Yeah. It 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 actually just muddies up everything if you keep doing that. Especially just if you're like, ripping a lot, if you're moving around a lot, it's it's you run the risk of being muddy. Yeah, and and you know what? Sometimes just one mic for each of those. Mm-hmm. You know, left and right, and you've simplified it so much that it sounds huge because it's clean. It's clean. The only difference you need to make, uh, you know, something sound large is essentially it's the performance based. It's the little intricacies in the performance that sonically and psychoacoustically, your brain is thinking, oh, man, there's a difference between left and right. But because there are two clean signals, there are two audible signals that are not, you know, cluttered. And now you hear the, the big spatiality between the two. That's why it's, you know, it's a simple concept, but it's, it's, it really is. Sometimes you got to control yourself. Um, and, you know, when you're doing things like distortion and all these kinds of pedals, sometimes people get really crazy with these kinds of distortion pedal combinations or just like they have an entire pedal train and it's like three rows and it's like, I don't know, 24 by 18. It's a big, big board. <laughs> It's just kind of funny, man. Um, simplify it. Like you were even talking about how to simplify your life. Well, simplify your, your approach to music making too, man. You, you'll be happier for it. 
Maybe we'll do that the next podcast. We're going to get it. We're actually going to talk about today, just simplifying life in general. So maybe that'll be next week's podcast. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I I like keeping things very simple. I've often made the joke that I'm like Leonard Skinner. I'm a simple man. Uh, me, I, I don't like to really have a lot of choices. You know, uh, there's a reason why a lot of, you know, famous business people and even prior presidents have, have had just one wardrobe of the same, you know, the same wardrobe, but just like, you know, five versions, like five of those, right? So they just go in the closet, pick it and go. They don't have to make right. that decision. Oh, what shirt am I going to wear today? And in 15 minutes flows by and you could have spent time making a critical decision, you know? So even with guitars and amps and stuff like that, I don't have a lot of gear, you know, um, and, and with plugins, that was kind of my issue with plugins. It's like, okay, I've, I've got all these amp sims, but there's only like two or three of them that I really like. The rest of them are kind of like, I don't want to say they're garbage. I, I just, they're not usable to me. You know, I only want like, I want a, you know, one good metal tone maybe a good rock phone and oftentimes i can use that same metal amp and just use the first overdrive channel instead of the second overdrive channel back the gain off a little bit now i've got my rock tone that i want you know right and, and a good clean tone um like my black star you know amp it has all of that and of course nothing beats the old fender amps for cleans right <laughs> but and i don't need really a lot of effects i like delay on my leads um every now and then i'll use some chorus you know i won't use that live because it's just another pedal i have to click uh, and, and really, that's about it, man. Some, I've got some ambient reverb parts and a couple songs or whatever. But yeah, I mean, if you can simplify and instead of having a ton of options, just have like a really small set of just awesome options and go with that as opposed to like, well, I got to try these 20 different amps, you know. So anyway, just my little my personal philosophy, because what that does I'll say this, is it keeps you focused on the most important thing. My most important thing, I want the guitar tone to sound great. I want to like it, right? I mean, somebody else might not like it, but I need to like it. It's my music. And you need to like it. It's your music, right? But that's really, you know, going through all these different tones and just chasing and chasing is taking away from the real art. And sometimes I think we can use that as like a, like a hidden hindrance of pursuing that next step. Because the next step of writing that song and recording it and putting it out there, it's scary because it takes you into the unknown. And the unknown is oftentimes perceived as risky. So we'll stay back here. Well, I just haven't figured out my tone yet. So I need to mess with more with my tone and it will prevent you from taking those next steps. <laughs> Wiser words haven't been said. Yeah, dude. So dude, if you don't have anything else to add, Ken, um, do you have a song of the week? Uh, actually, I got an album of the week for you. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so a, a record I recently worked on uh, by a band called Hero in the Horror. That's a good uh, they, team, dude. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. Uh, Hero, yeah, Hero in the Horror actually just came out with an album called Old Ghosts. Uh, they've, we've had a couple of their singles been released over the past couple month or two, but yeah, yeah. they just released their new uh, album. And it's fantastic. And um, for for metal lovers, I, I really appreciate the song "Blind and Oblivious" uh, on that record. Uh, but check it out, "Hero in the Heart." It's a great album overall. It was produced actually uh, by Kia Eschke, who is a really good friend of ours. And uh, I was a drum technician and an assistant engineer on the record, so it was it was a good time. Yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah, I did hear the single because you sent that to me. Awesome, awesome <laughs> tune, man, and a pristine sound, dude. Um, 
Guys, I have got a tune. We're talking about big sounds, so I just kind of looked this up real quick because uh, I was just listening to it the other day. You, you guys know, most of you know me, I'm a huge Joe Satriani fan, so this isn't necessarily metal, of course, but his song, the album title track called Time Machine, off the of course, album Time Machine, released back in 1993. Time Machine, I love what he's doing in there guitar-wise, but that song has a really big sound. And, you know, you'll have to go back and listen to it but I think a lot of it has to do with just a little bit of reverb on the drums. It just makes it sound big. But if you listen close, there are not a ton of instruments in that song. It's mainly the bass. The bass got a really, it's locked in with the drums, a really good combination there for the, for the, you know, the foundation. And maybe Joe has a rhythm guitar in there or two or something like that. But it's just, it sounds like it's not a lot of instruments. But it's still a really big sound, so I wanted to highlight that "Time Machine" by Joe Satriani, since we we're talking about that earlier. Nice. Well, guys, I want to thank everybody and girls for listening in on the Metal Mastermind podcast. Uh, by the way, if you want to see the video version, if you want to see our mugs on screen, well, hey, we do have a new YouTube membership. It's a very like super inexpensive. It's more of, and I'll be honest, guys, it's more of a support feature. If you want to further support metal mastermind we know you buy the courses we appreciate that you know please keep looking into those uh we've got some new stuff coming out uh but we wanted to provide some folks that because we've had questions we've had we actually had this question believe it or not by many like hey i'd like to support you further well this is an opportunity to do that um in return though we like to still give you something so we just give you the video version of ken and i just hanging out in our studios here talking good stuff to you so yeah check that out Go to pick my nose. Yeah, pick my nose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was picking a fingernail earlier, you know. I was going to bite it. I'm like, wait, don't you can't bite your fingernails on TV, dude. So um, <laughs> I'll bite it later. So I'm going to make some coffee, Ken. I know you got some coffee. We've got lunch happening soon. But uh, guys, thank you so much. Yeah, YouTube Metal Mastermind on YouTube. Um, you'll see a little join button down there. So, hey, click that. Again, it's, it's like a no-brainer. Just click. It's not. It, we made it very inexpensive. So... Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. We will see you on the next podcast. As always, create your own sound.